It, it's the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Radio Network. Oh, oh yeah, we hit great. The painkiller. Kevin, Kevin Jackson. Jackson. We need to start acting like a big boy football. It's time for the jet tacks to die. You're listening to Weapons Hot on Sports War Radio and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And now here is your host, CJ the Painkiller, Simone and Kevin Jackson. What's going on, Jets Nation? Welcome to another edition of Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, Sports War Radio, and quite frankly, any place that you can get your New York Jets broadcast fixed. I'm your host, CJ the Painkiller D. Simone, and I am joined, as always, by my co-pilot, my right seater, one of my very best friends. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Mr. Kevin Jackson! Kevin, how are you, my friend? Once again, I say it all the time, if you've never had a website introduction, you've never been properly introduced. Thank you so very much for that. You could just do more. I guess the same old, same old. Uh, I said this before. It's basically what it is that we're, we should be happy about right about now. I'm excited about our guests tonight. We've got a couple coming up, but. Absolutely. So, Kevin, do me a favor. Take a quick uh, check of your microphone there as you were going a little bit in and out. So I want to make sure we get that taken care of before our, uh, our guest comes on. And, ladies and gentlemen, as you can see by your screen, we have another. And this one. We are going to very specially introduce him, and only because he deserves a very, very special intro. So, ladies and gentlemen, if the theme song will ever play, come on. Ladies and gentlemen. Please put your hands together for the Weapons Hot Statistician, Mr. Jimmy Jardine. Jimmy, what's going on, my man? Welcome to the What's show. happening? What's happening, CJ? Kevin, happy to be here, man. Thank you for that amazing intro. I greatly appreciate it. I love talking Jets football with you guys. So much appreciated. Hey, we appreciate having you on. And now, really quick before we introduce our special guest, who you now see on your screen here, New York Jets dropping to 0-12 on the year with the tank in full effect. Dropping a, or should we like to say, the miracle at the Meadowlands Part 3, but not really working out in the New York Jets' favor. Uh, Jets dropping the score today by 31-28. to on really the most improbable of uh, Hail Marys caught by Henry Ruggs, who had a little bit of uh, difficulty today hanging on to the ball. Uh, he had a critical turnover in which the Jets were finally able to, to uh, turn into some points. 
Um, Jets actually put up a good fight in this game, believe it or not. So before we go a little bit further into this game, I want to introduce our very special guest. And it for, for all of us here at Weapons Hot, this is a tremendous honor to have this gentleman on. And let me bring him in the right way. And again, none of my sound bites want to work tonight. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great pleasure to introduce former New York Jets wide receiver, Mr. Rob Carpenter! Rob, how are you doing tonight, my friend? I'm good, man. That's a hell of an intro. Appreciate it. Well, like Jacks always says, you know, you you have definitely been been introduced when you get a weapons hot intro. Yes. <laughs> so, welcome to the show. How you feeling, my man? I'm doing pretty good, man. Just sitting out here trying to stay safe, bro. That's it. Yeah, that's it. How are how are things going over by you, especially with the uh, with, with the pandemic? Are you keeping you and your family safe? Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, you know, I'm right here in Jersey, so you know, we were at the front of everything when it first started, man. So, you know, Governor Murphy is actually just doing his what he, what he can, man. And I, I don't mess around in the streets too much too now. So, <clears throat> you know, I'm home most of the time, man. Hey, that's a good thing. So, you know, especially with, uh, with, with COVID-19, it's still, it's still not done with us. So believe it or not, you know, know. The, the best way you can, the best thing that you could do is try and keep yourself safe try and stay close to home and most of all, protect the ones that you love and also protect yourself as well. So, sure. so really quick, uh, let's go into tonight's game. Uh, Jets again, dropping 31 to 28. Um, we're going to go around the room. Rob, I'm very curious to hear um, your thoughts on today's game. What did you see? And, and do you think that you, that you saw a little things that Jet fans could be hopeful for the future? Um, yeah, I do. Uh, one of the things we, you saw today was that somehow it finally clicked where uh, the offense actually decided to run to the left side of the uh, field. You run behind Becton and good things happen. And you saw it all day. Um, you know, Ty had a great game. Um, Josh Adams had a good game. You know, and those guys are just running left. And that's basically what, what controlled the game for, for the Jets actually in the second half. Um, so, you know, that, that's a positive. Beckton had his, his couple of hiccups in the first half with we're giving up uh, the one sack and then uh, the mix up with the with the cover <clears throat> I mean with the pass protection and and, um, and the second sack but you know for the for the most part that guy's gonna be a beast for a long time as long as he's uh, as long as he's healthy and you, you saw what, what could happen if the next coaching staff if there's a change in coaching staffs and, and those guys come in they see where they can run the ball um, uh, and on the other side of the ball, we saw Quentin Williams still continue to do what he what he's been doing all year. You know, last year he was hurt, so him trying to play through an injury and and live up to, you know, that that draft billing was probably a little bit of pressure for him. But you know, he came in this year and basically he was just like, you know what, I'm just gonna go out and play and let his play speak for itself as long as he stays healthy. And, and you see it, he's healthy and he's having fun, and he's basically living up to the billing of that uh, of that pick. And nobody can really say anything about much bad about him anymore at this at this point. Um, unfortunately, we still have a quarterback issue because because Sam is making some some mistakes that he still shouldn't be making. But um, you yes, know, indeed. 
they can help him out. <clears throat> they helped him out today with the running game. That 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 did a lot for him because uh, then he didn't have to actually have so much pressure on himself in long yardage situations. But you know, when he does have those long yardage situations, it just seems like he's uh, you know, he he's frozen in a moment. And and once he locks onto a receiver and that guy's not open, he doesn't go through the rest of his progression and and sort of panics a little bit. And some of the and you could also see where he actually locks on before the play even starts, where he's he, he makes up his mind where he's going to throw the ball whether it's there or not. And he gets in some bad situations like that. All right. So, Jax, I'm going to turn it over to you. Any questions for Rob? You know what? I'm, I'm really uh, I'm really thankful to have Rob on the show uh, today. Um, uh, kind of watch, watch Rob coming in. Uh, he was drafted by, uh, by the Patriots, I believe it was, in 91, if, if that's correct. Um, yeah, I grad- yeah, graduated high school. Um, just uh, to date myself a little bit. But... Uh, <laughs> Um, you know, just some of some of the formative time when I when I really was starting to get focused on Jets football. So I'm um, thankful he was here. Um, just kind of one thing that I, I wanted to throw out, um, and I, I, you know, I, I'm hoping that I'm I'm phrasing this correctly because I I think our wide receiver situation is 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 a little dire, knowing that you know that's where you know your area of expertise, obviously. Um, what's going on with Perriman? You know, I don't want to ask about Mims because I really think Mims is an unfinished product right now. But what are your thoughts on Brett Perriman? I mean, what, was that a good signing? I mean, is that is that somebody that, you know, we should look to as as that might be able to uh, to to contribute going forward? I mean, what do you think? Um, <clears throat> well, Brett is I don't want to say he's in a bad situation because he's not. Um, he, he can if he continues to play the way he's playing. His problem has been that he's hasn't been healthy his whole career um and last year at the end of the year when he was in Tampa he just basically got the first chance to show where what he can do um when those guys were when the rest of the guys around him were injured he basically was the main guy um unfortunately it just so happened that he came out this year and he got hurt again um so he didn't have a chance to 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 prove what he can can do right from a whole season but as you said Mims is, is, is an unfinished product because he started out the season injured um Crowder is basically Darnold's safety blanket and Crowder actually probably can be a Pro Bowl guy. Um, you know, whatever quarterback is here going forward. Uh, well, after this year, um, if if it's th- those three again, if it's Perryman, Mims and Crowder, you can pretty much be guaranteed that those guys are going to have a big season um, because Crowder's going to do what he does. Um, there's not too many people that can cover him in this slot. And he's 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 a lot better than people give him uh, give him credit for um, because he can he can get open on the inside and outside. Uh, and again, Perriman just has to stay healthy. That's his biggest problem. Um, he hasn't been healthy, but he has the speed to get deep. He can run all the routes um, and he makes big catches. He's a big guy, just like Mims. Mims is a big guy. So Mims' problem is going to be getting away from press coverage. Um, he's going to have to work on that uh, this offseason. Um, and I think that's the, the biggest thing that, that, that Sean Jefferson is probably going to be working on him with if Sean still here as the receivers coach or whoever it is. I know he's going to have to take that into the offseason with him um, because he has a lot of work to do to get off press coverage. He can make himself uh, a lot better um, in those 50-50 balls if he just gets a little separation um, because what we've seen, you know, the, the, the previous three weeks when Flacco was the was the QB, Flacco gives those guys a chance to go up for the ball. Um, and, you know, half the time those guys are going to come down with the ball. Uh, but but Mims just has to, has to work on his releases and once he does that, there's going to be lights out for, uh, for the league. Because that dude, is uh, he, he's going to be good, man. He has a great catch radius. Um, he grabs those balls out of, out of anywhere. Um, it's just that he just, once he gets that separation and learns how to get off press coverage, 
he's gonna be he's gonna be a beast in this league. Yeah, I actually was interested in in, in him specifically because, um, to your point, Crowder has been a beast. Uh, we saw how he started off the season, hundred yard games back uh, uh, consecutive. Um, Mims again, unfinished product, but has shown flashes of being able to to kind of be that guy. Um, Perriman is is a question mark for me, especially going into next season. Uh, you know, with with the belief that maybe we might look to draft a wide receiver early. Um, does Perriman look to factor into those plans going forward? So, uh, great points. Thank you for that. Um, we saw actually even saw some some uh, uh, some Berrios uh, sightings today. Also, our wide receiver uh, situation might not necessarily be as bad. I think maybe one or two additions, um, whether it be free agency in the draft next season. I think uh, whoever is the quarterback might actually be uh, might actually be in pretty good shape in in that regard. I think they're going to be pretty active in the uh, in the free agent market. Um, there's some good receivers out there going to this year. Um, <clears throat> so it's going to be interesting to see, but I do think they're going to be active in the free agent market this year for, for a receiver. Yeah. Um, but even if they're not, again, there's some good receivers coming out in this in this year's draft uh, uh, again, and the Jets have the, the draft capital to, to, to grab one or two of those guys. Um, you, we've seen it, you know, Jamar Chase is a guy at LSU that everybody's clamoring for because we see what he has done and he's going to be fresh. He has, didn't have to take the pounding this year. He's, he, he opted out. Um, the, the guys from Alabama, um, Smith and, uh, and, and Waddle. I mean, there's guys all around the, the um, college front that are going to be good. And <clears throat> it's another year for um, drafting receivers this year. So, you know, whether, again, whether it's during the free agent market, and I think they're going to be active in the free agent market for a receiver, um, or whether it's in the draft, because they do have the opportunity with, with all of these picks <clears throat> this year to make, a, to make a draft choice for one of those receivers as well. Absolutely. All right, numbers, you're up. Any questions for Rob? Well, to to highlight his point, thank you for being on. It's it's an honor to to be on here with with a real jet. So I'm kind of <laughs> like fangirling over here. But um, as far as Perryman, I totally agree. I, I think health has been the absolute issue, um, and it continued through this season as well. So if if Perryman, if we can get him for the same money that we have him for now. I'm all on, I'm all on board. I think at the very worst, he could be a great depth receiver and he could still like when we have to spell the number one, number two guys, he can be a guy that's still going to be a deep threat. Um, I, I, I'm just concerned about giving him a larger, a larger contract with the injury issues. Mims, I'm going to go out on a limb and call Mims a Julio Jones ceiling. He has the body type. He's got the catch radius and uh, not this, not this game, but the, last week's game against Miami when he got that offensive pass interference call for mugging the defender. <laughs> I'm 100% okay with that. I would rather take that 10 yard penalty and have my number two receiver putting it in the brain of those defenders that he's not going to play around with them. I'll take that 10 yards Amen. and he's, just, he's showing that he's here to play. So that's, he's going to be big time. He's going to be really big time, but I think that's off the top of my head. That's all I got right now, man. Maybe <clears throat> me being a receiver. Honestly, that offensive pass in the first call wasn't an offensive pass in the first call. <laughs> I, I think it was drawn. It was pushing a line, but yeah, I, I would I would agree. But. When you leave your feet to go up and you're actually looking for the ball, yeah. whether you're on top of the DB or not, when a DB's mm -hmm. not, that's not pass interference. Yeah. Um, and that's all he did. He basically left his feet to go up for the ball. I mean, he left his feet a little early, and he was riding the DB's back, but the DB never looked <laughs> at the ball, and he was. And you have the, the, the rule is you have the opportunity to go for the ball, no matter where it is. <clears throat> the DB does as well. 
but the DB never looked back. He just happened to actually jump on the DB's back going up for the ball. I, right. I would, as a referee, that's a bad call to me. Um, this is just my opinion because he, he didn't make any other egregious efforts to get the DB out of the way. He didn't push off. He didn't do anything. He just jumped. Just so happened that he jumped on the DB's back. He wasn't looking. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. you know, it's just a bad thing. But, you know, to, to, to go back to what I said about Mims, he's going to be very good in this league for a while. His, his, his biggest thing that he needs to work on this, this offseason is getting off press coverage. And once he learns to do that and get a little separation, um, he is going to be really good. I wouldn't say as much as, like you said, Julio Jones' ceiling. I wouldn't go that far. Um, Julio is in the class by himself. That, 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 that dude is <laughs> that dude is just up there. Um, and he's learned, and he learned early. One of the things he 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 had the the wealth to work with Roddy White as a as his as his mentor and as a as a an older receiver to learn some things from. Not to say that Julio would have needed it because Julio is just that special type of receiver. Um, mm-hmm. But when you're in, when you're in a situation as a rookie, a first year player, to learn from a vet who actually was a Pro Bowler, it helps you out a lot. Yeah. Um, it's just that Mims doesn't have that, but he does have some coaching uh, there for him. Um, and don't get me wrong, he can learn from Perryman. He can learn from Crowder because Crowder knows those 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 nuances of getting off press coverage, of of working. Uh, routes in between um, and working to get separation on a deep route, uh, mm-hmm. how to play the ball on a deep route. So um, it's just for him. And, and again, uh, next year, if Perryman is here, those guys are going to be good. We got to remember that a couple of guys actually opted out. Um, yeah. You know, they had uh, Dotson who was actually supposed to be uh, one of the guys uh, pressing for, for a starting position. And he was a, he's a former first rounder. He was looking for a fresh start. So um you know, we'll we'll see if if they can grab one of the top guys in free agency, and if they do, that's just going to make you know the the skill position a lot better. Um, and we saw today that if those those young guys can get a chance to carry the ball and they run behind Beckton, those guys are going to be very good. Um, and 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 Ty, actually, with his, with his time in, in in Detroit, he has some some experience behind him. Yeah, I, I said this from the from the first time he carried the ball in in, in Miami. He needs to carry the ball a lot more. Um, and he showed that he can get to the outside. He shows that he has the poise to, to, to run inside. Um, and he had 100 yards today, 100 yards and touchdown mm-hmm. uh, against a good team. And did it mostly under pressure because there wasn't really a whole lot of passing going on for, for the Jets today. And they, they, the Raiders knew they were going to be running the ball, and they, and they still got it done. So, um, you know, from, from, from here on out, the Jets end up with that first and they do take Trevor Lawrence. He's going to have an abundance of, uh, of talent around him to, to, to help him out going forward. Yeah. Rob, I got to ask you a question. As a, as a former wide receiver, take me through what it's like when you guys are prepping for a game, like the meetings. Are you guys studying film? Are you studying tendencies? You know, kind of give us a look behind the curtain a little bit. I mean, obviously, you've you, you've been there. You've You've gotten to play with – play against some of the greatest DBs and some of the greatest wide receivers that have ever played the game. So, you know, you, you probably have so many stories to tell us. <laughs> well, it was a little different when I was playing, you know, you get the, 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 the defenders could actually do a lot more. You know? mm-hmm. it yeah. I remember that. That was, uh, that was the bump, uh, uh, bump and grind days. Yeah. You could, you could, you could ride a receiver down the field the whole, the, the, the whole time. As long as the ball wasn't in the air, it wasn't passing interference. It wasn't holding. It wasn't anything like that. So, um, it was a little different back in those days, but what what you would do is basically you, once the game plan came out and you saw who you were going to be playing against, you basically knew where the the, the other team was going to line up. So 
you know if you were going to be followed from from side to side by by a certain DB, or if you know if they played um, what side they played, and basically the coverages that they played most of the time. And then you would take their tendencies, what they did uh, well and what they didn't do well, um, and you tried to work on that for the most part during the week in your individual. Um, so if, uh, for instance, um, you know when 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 I was in in New York, we we played against the the Patriots, and one of their best uh, DBs was Maurice Hurst. We knew he was good. He was a quick guy. He, was a, he wasn't a very big guy. He wasn't very strong, but he was quick. Um, and he had very good hands. So you knew you had to work <clears throat> on your on your, on your your breaks because he would be right there in your hip pocket. Um, you know, when I was in Philly, I played against Dion twice. Dion was a guy who pressured you a lot. Um, and he, he went for the ball. He wasn't a guy that actually the, – the, the guys back in, in my day didn't play DB like the guys do nowadays. They played the ball. So those guys were looking for interceptions. They weren't trying to just break passes up. Um, so it was a little different. You had a lot of hand fighting that you had to go on. So push, pushing off it was kind of was kind of okay back then because um, DBs pushed and as as offensive guys we pushed off as well. Um, and it was warranted, man, because you know DB would would grab you ten yards down the field. They're holding and it wasn't called, so you had to get their hands off you. Um, and you worked on that all week long. So if you knew a guy had tendencies to hold. You would work on that all week, but in the, in in your meetings throughout the day um, and throughout the week, once the game plan was installed, uh, every day is a different situation. So uh, for us, Wednesdays was was basically run type situations. You had play action passes that were going to the offensive game plan all throughout Wednesday's practice and Wednesday's film meeting. Um, Thursday was a, was the whole passing game, so you went through the whole passing game of what what was going to be in the game plan for that week um, in every situation whether it was first and 10 play action, first and 10 pass, second and long, second and short, uh, third down passes, whatever it was, whatever situation you could possibly think of that's going to come up in a game, you went over it that day in, in, in practice. Um, but you also had your individual work where you went against uh, DBs in, in, in one-on-ones. And during the season, you still did that. So, um, you know, the teams that I played on, we had good DBs, that, uh, thankfully, um, on teams that I played on. Um, you had to go against those guys every day in, in, in practice, one-on-ones. It just made you better, made them better. Um, Fridays wasn't really a, a, a huge long day. Fridays was basically no pads. Uh, you walk through a lot of stuff, make sure you had the game plan down correct. Um, mostly every team did the, did the thing. And we see it where Gates actually is very good in his first series. Um, and every team has a first series script of plays, uh, 10 plays that you script out. That's going to be the first 10 plays of the game. And you went over those 10 plays um, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So everybody had it down. So you knew what it was. It was going to be, no matter what situation came up, the first 10 plays is going to be the first 10 plays, no matter what. Um, so you know what it is. It's just after that, if you have a good offensive coordinator, they're going to you know, adjust to how the game is being played out. But for the most part, you knew what the defense was going to give you. Um, and you knew what you had to go against. Um, and, and it was a little more. Uh, I don't want to call it vanilla, but the teams, the best teams back when I was playing, played their regular defense. They didn't switch up a whole lot. You know, if they played cover two, they played cover two. That was it. You just had to beat it. Um, and if there was a team that, that played a lot of man-to-man, they, they played man-to-man. You just had to beat it. They didn't really throw a lot of junk defenses in. You knew when they were going to blitz. Um, if it was third and long, they might, they might bring the heat on you. If it was second and long, they would bring the heat. Um, but, you know, regular – regular down in, in distant situations, it just was what it was. You just had to play it out and you you had to beat them. Those That's what you had to do to the best teams back then. Cowboys, the Eagles, 
the Patriots, when, when they came along, the Patriots used to do that. They didn't really do a lot of blitzing. They just played what they played. Um, Tampa, you know, when they had the, the Tampa two, um, and it just wasn't what it was. You knew they were playing the cover two. You knew they weren't going to bring a lot of pressure. They used their front four to bring pressure, and that was it. <clears throat> um, back when I was playing, it was the Broncos did that, but that as well. But the Broncos were the one team that would throw some junk defenses in and bring some some fluky blitzes every once in a while, and you just had to prepare for it. You knew it was going to come every you know every once in a while, but you just had to prepare for it. But you know, it's just a little different now. Um, they don't practice as much. They don't practice in pads as much. There's a lot more meetings for these guys now um, with the new rules, CBA rules. Um, and I'm not just talking about this year because of the COVID situation. It's just the CBA rules don't don't make them uh, don't allow them to practice in pads as much uh, from training camp all through the season. Um, you know, training camp for for myself was six to eight weeks. Now it's not even close, and it was pads. It was double sessions for six weeks. You know, it was rough. <laughs> yeah, it was heat. It was in the heat of the summer. You know what I mean? So. It's just a little different, but for the most part, the meetings and everything is still the same. Those guys have their game plans in. They go on Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. They're going over the game plan, uh, whatever the situations might be. And mostly every team scripts their first 10 to 15 plays. That's why you see uh, a lot of offenses actually go down the field right away on their first first uh, uh, series, and they score because they, they've worked on that every day uh, of practice for that week. You know what, you, you you actually are making great points, Rob, and I'm, I'm thankful for your insight on the show tonight. Uh, you teased a little bit about one of the questions that I wanted to ask about the DBs in particular. You know, we've got a lot of young guys um, on the team currently, guys who are, you know, undrafted free agents uh, as well as rookies uh, specifically. Um, but I wanted to ask about your experience with the corners on this team back in the day. Like, uh, as far as who it is that you faced when you were in the green and white, who are some of the toughest corners that were on the team uh, when you played and, and, and who were your, you know, who were the toughest matchups that you had in practice uh, on, on a daily basis? Um, probably the toughest guy I went against every day in practice was James Hasty. Um, cause, cause wow. James Hasty was, was a, a big, strong DB. Um, One of my favorites. He was, James was physical. He, he liked to get up in your face. He didn't like to play off coverage. Um, so, um, he was a guy that, 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 that pressured you a lot. Um, and he, he would hold you. He would, he would beat you up at the, at the line of scrimmage if he could. Um, so it just it just made you that much that much better. Um, when we would go against guys, basically Kansas City had had some very good DBs. Ross was was really good. He played situations a lot. You can tell when the the, the better DBs in the in, in the league back then studied a lot of film um, because they played tendencies. And if they knew what type of offense that you that you ran, they would look at you know where you lined up. Um, if you lined up outside the numbers, you're only going to run this route or that route. If you lined up right on the numbers, you're going to run this route or that route. If you lined up inside, depending if you were in a slot, you in in situation, they knew basically what you were going to run. It's just so it made it a lot harder, man. You had to you actually had to beat those guys back then. Um, um, you know, Dishman was a was a real good corner. He played situations well. He didn't get in your face a lot. He played off, but he played situations really well. He had some good feet, and Dishman was a long guy. He was, he was about my size. So going against a DB about my size was a little unheard of back then because you didn't really have a lot of big DBs yeah. uh, like that back back then. Um, the safeties were big. So you you actually had to watch yourself when you were going across the middle because you could get hit, and it wasn't a penalty. Um, you know, if you if you were running a crossing route, safeties would look you up. A linebackers would look you up to hit you. And so, you know, it, and it was legal. So, uh, you know, you had to adjust on the fly in a game 
and, and look out for safeties as 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 you were coming across the coming across the field. Um, Dion was was probably one of the best that I went up against. Uh, you know, I played against him a few times, um, but you can lull him to sleep just a little bit if you if you could. If you ran in the middle of the field or ran across the route, Dion wouldn't. He didn't like running through traffic. He liked to be on the outside, lined up man to man, and if and if need be, he followed you uh, you know around the field. Um, but he was a guy who he pressured you a lot. He got in your face, and Dion was was quick. Um, I had my success against him <laughs> for a little bit, but um, you know, those those guys back then, man, they did, they they just had a lot more freedom to do things that they, that the DBs now don't have to do. So the DBs now actually have to rely a lot more on their athletic ability yeah, um, because they can't get their hands on on receivers. Um, it's just unfortunate. I, I hate the way the DBs are taught nowadays to play the ball. Um, I've been saying this for years. The best DBs know how to play the ball instead of playing the receiver. Um, they know how to turn and look for the ball because these DBs could have a lot more pass breakups or a lot more interceptions if they just turned and look for the ball. It doesn't take much. It's not when, you, when you're running full speed down, down the field, uh, step for step with a receiver. If you turn your head for the ball the same way the receiver does, you have the same chance of getting the ball the, that, that the receiver does. But these guys don't. They play the, they play the hands, they play the eyes, and they try to just make the make the pass break up uh, when a guy reaches out for the ball. Which is, um, you know, when I was doing my little league coach, and I never taught my DBs to do that. I never taught my son to do that. <laughs> so it's just a little different, man. Those these guys nowadays have to rely on a lot more athletic ability than the guys back in the day. One question I did have, Rob, because uh, you mentioned. Uh, some of the ways that the NFL was back in the day compared to what it is now, like with the CBAs not having, you know, as much in pad practices and things like that. Obviously we've seen a lot of increase as far as injuries are concerned. Do you feel like that might have a fact might play a factor in that? Because someone like me, I mean, I'm not a spring chicken and I never really did much beyond high school, obviously playing. Um, and I was actually a cornerback about, 20 years and 80 pounds ago, but uh, yeah. I, it just, just going into it. I was one of those guys when I played in high school that I wanted, I wanted to get up in your face. I wanted to hit you. I wanted to be that guy. I wanted to put the fear of God into you when I lined up across from you and the receivers welcomed that type of stuff. You know, other, other players welcomed all that. Now, do you think that that CBA, like the less practice and less physicality is contributing a little bit to the injuries that we're seeing? I do. Um, when the CBA was changed and, and the practice uh, situation was changed during training camp and the pads were taken off during training camp, I basically said there's going to be a lot more injuries because it, it takes a while for your body to get used to uh, yeah. hitting. Um, and the only way you actually get used to it is to practice, to actually hit. Um, you can, there's, there's no amount of off-season work you can do to get your body ready for, for a padded practice or a padded training camp. Um, yeah. I don't know how good a shape you are in. Um, you know, once you put those pads on and you go into to training camp practice, you're going to be sore. Um, regardless yeah. of who you are, how, how great a shape you are in, you're going to be sore after that, those first couple of practices. Um, and that's basically what it was. And for as long as football has been around, training camp is used to actually get your body in shape to, for, for the season. Um, you come into to camp in, in cardio, cardio shape, but you have to get ready to get hit. <clears throat> you're not going to do that when you're training during all season. Yeah. Um, you're not going to do that in OTAs. We didn't do that in OTAs. Everything was, was no pads, but you got to practice everything that you were basically going to be doing 
during training camp without the hitting. Um, and once you put on the pads, if you if you're only hitting for two weeks before uh, a season opens, you see the the results: um, bad tackling, uh, soft tissue injuries, um, guys actually you know hurting knees that they probably wouldn't have <clears throat> they wouldn't have hurt if they had had the pads on. Right. Um, ankle injuries, uh, you know you know stuff like that 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 happens because you weren't able to get your body ready uh, to, for a full game. Um, and, and that's what happens early in the season. Later on in the season, it's just a, you know, it's, it's a battle of attrition. Um, yeah. Once you've gotten past those couple of first couple of games, you're in, you're in game shape and you're ready to play injuries happen. And it, you know, if you're, if you're worn down at the end of the season, um, that, 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 that would play a part in injuries as well. But sure. I, I, I do feel that the, the, the limited amount of pad practices now, attributes to a lot more injuries um, that, that, that take place. Damn. You know, one of the things that uh, um, yeah, I actually brought up a good point and uh, Jimmy, that's actually going to segue into, into our next segment. Uh, one of the assignments that I asked for Jimmy for, t- for today's show is to compare this year's jets, the 2020 jets with the 1996 jets, as we've been hearing probably from week seven. So Jimmy has some very interesting numbers that that I would like him to talk about with you guys. So numbers, tell me what you got. Well, first of all, what I've noticed is it's eerily similar. <laughs> 96 to 2020. Um, and I, I, what I did guys is I, I took this through the first 11 games because I didn't want to have to rush the math by factoring in tonight's game or today's game. So this is all through the first 11 games. Um, the 2020 jets through the first 11 games have allowed 2000 or their, their offense has moved the ball 2,946 total yards, 1873 of those are passing 1073 rushing. They've turned the ball over 13 times. Now get this, the 96 jets offense Moved the ball 3,800 yard, 3,837 total yards, 2,641 of those are passing yards, 1,196 rushing yards, and they turned the ball over 29 times, all in the first 11 games. 29 turnovers to, to 13, and a lot more offense. A lot more offense, and they've capitalized on it. So their total scoring. Their total scoring, let me see. I'm just kind of going through my notes Notes here. Uh, the, the 96 Jets through 11 games have scored, 200, scored 201 points with the 2020 Jets at 152. Wow. So, yeah, the 96 Jets also scored 279 points total for that season. Um, and that's despite – turning the ball over more than twice as much in the same amount of time. Well, I'll talk about everybody saying that uh, the 2020 Jets is, are, are much worse than 96 Jets. It's right there in the numbers. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's historical. I mean, the 96 Jets, 891 more total yards of offense, uh, 786 more passing yards. Hundred uh, Running game is actually what kind of got me head scratching a little bit because the 96 jets should have a lot more rushing yards in my opinion with the game, the way it was back in the mid nineties, 
more run heavy. Rather, it wasn't the air raid that we're looking at today. And they only had 123 more rushing yards at this point in the season. Um, defensively, the defensively is where we're really, really close. So the Jets have allowed this year two, 322 points, 29 points per game. 96 is the 96 Jets allowed 298 points for 27 points per game. Um, the 2020 Jets, 4,345 yards of total offense allowed for 395 yards per game. And the 96 Jets, 3,725 total yards for 338 yards per game. So the defenses are, they're right there. You know, um, the Jets D this year has 13 takeaways compared to the 96 Jets, 17 takeaways. Um, passing defense, the Jets in 96 were way better in passing, but I don't, I don't put too much stock into that. we got three rookies playing right now. Like that's, that's going to happen. You know, this year, the Jets have allowed a little over 3000 yards passing, whereas the Jets in 96 allowed 2200. But again, also you're not facing as prolific, you know, no disrespect. I'm not saying this in a bad way (laughs) to a wide receiver, uh, not as prolific passing offenses. And it, it was just a different game. I mean, the game is um, game has evolved now. So yeah, special teams special teams is kind of a wash because with the rule set today, really they're kind of phasing out special teams, kick returns, punt returns. Punters have gotten more leg power. We're seeing Braden Man doing what he's doing right now. Um, so the hang time is really limiting uh, punt returns. You know, you're getting you might get more punt returns, but they're going to be shorter as far as yards gained. So the 2020 Jets only have 556 yards of special teams yardage, whereas the 96 at the same time, they had 1,643 special teams yards. So again, kind of a wash. The big stat, though, for this year is the Jets only have five punt returns that actually were not fair catches, were actually caught and ran back. And that's where your 556 yards of uh, of offense are, yeah, that's where your 556 yards of offense comes from rare kickoffs returns are rare and you're still looking at about 20 to 25 yards for that. Um, but in 96, so we have 20 or we have five punt returns in 2020 96 at this point, we had 28 punt returns. So it's definitely, it's similar, but there's, there's some key, there's some key differences that are, that are really interesting when you kind of do a deep dive in it. So CJ, thank you for having me do this, man. Cause I, some of these stats, I was like, that can't be right. <laughs> but, yeah. a lot now, um, one thing, um, there's not as much emphasis on the return uh, in right. today's it's just get the ball. Um, you yeah. just, just want to hold on to the ball. Um, I, I was also a point returner. So I, I see it a lot. I see a lot of guys, a lot of point returners actually, let the ball go now. They don't even look to actually fair catch balls, um, and especially inside the 10-yard line. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't get me wrong, I mean, the, the, the rule always was don't ever catch a punt inside the 10-yard line, but you can save yourself, um, you know, if you back up two steps. Um, fair catch the ball at the eight rather than letting it go to the two. Um, but what you see in today's game, even in college, um, the way these these punts take place, especially in college, where you see uh, the punter, you know, uh, uh, take the snap and and start rolling out to the right or rolling out to the left before they punt. Yeah, the um, rugby style. Yeah, that, that's taken away from from the punt returns, but it's also 
in, in the NFL where punt returns aren't set up anymore like they used to be. Um, that used to be a big part of a game, you know, uh, uh-huh. you know, best, the best teams always practiced all three phases of the game and punt returns was always a big part because it actually could change a little bit of a field position. Um, yeah, I was, that was always drilled into my head as a punt returner. Um, you don't have to make a big punt return, just get 10 yards. Um, if you get 10 yards, that could flip field position, uh, for, for, for us actually, you know, having to punt and to, you know, flip field position back. So, um, every, every special teams coach that I had always said 10 yards was the mark. If you can, can average 10 yards per punt return, you're doing great. Um, but the guys just don't catch punts anymore. You know, they'll let the ball bounce at the 20 yard line and it ends up rolling inside the 10. Um, we saw that today, actually. Turns back when I was a returner, um, the gunners were always double teamed because those are the first guys that were always down the field. Yeah. That allowed returns to actually get a punt return back. That was set up uh, returns whether you're going right, left, or up the middle. Um, so, and and the best punt returners actually don't run side to side; they just go straight up the field. That's the the, the best way to actually get a punt return. The best way to get a uh, you see the longest returns come when a, when a punt returner catches the ball and just go straight up the field. Because you're catching the the the, the cover team off balance, mm-hmm. um, they're not expecting you to run right back at them. <clears throat> so they're looking to cover the sidelines. They're looking to go side to side. But once you go right back at them, they can't stop. And yeah, see the biggest things happen. But exactly. just a little different. That's another one of the changes in today's game. Well, and that's it. it kind of is sad to me because we would think about we wouldn't wouldn't even know who Devin Hester is if he came out of college today. You know, Correct. like that's special teams play has made careers for a lot of players and they want I just to don't like seeing it phased out. They want to phase it out because of the injuries. So uh, the, the league does but... more um, because the biggest collisions usually come on special teams, kickoffs and punts. So, you know, guys running full speed down the field and you hit another guy who's coming yeah. back at you. They're trying to phase that out. And again, that, that, that goes to punt returns as well. Exactly. I, I, oddly enough, uh, and I think to the point that you were making earlier about uh, the the minimal training camp uh, time that these guys have, you know, th- some of the changes that they've made have contributed to more injuries. So, you know, it, you, the game is kind of moving in 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 different directions when it comes to how that how that's how that's set up. Um, want to talk a little bit more about the about the current uh, team situation and where it is that we're at right now. Um, you know, at at a Oh, and 12 now. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, Jimmy made some points about the 96 team and, and, and where it is that they were and, and historically how bad it is that we are. Um, I, I have to say this, and, and I mean, I know the fans in particular, I mean, we see it on Twitter and I've, I've Rob, I've, I've seen you kind of comment on this also about, uh, you know, the tank for Trevor, uh, kind of a, uh, situation that we've got going on right now. And I know Trevor Lawrence in particular has to be watching these games and you know, maybe feeling a certain way about what the Jets have to offer right now. And and while we are winless, um, there are still things to look at with this organization and say that you know we have some positive things uh, going forward. And you made the points earlier about about Mims and 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 Becton and Becton, who basically had what I guess amounts to his kind of first bad game of the season today, and, and to, to an extent. Um, based on where it is that we stand now, and based on you know the talent level and and you know, obviously the, the situation with the, with the coaching staff and, and with Joe Douglas and, and what possibilities we have 
with regards to the draft and and, and salary cap uh, room and, and and free agency coming into next season. Um, do, do you kind of think we're maybe a little bit better off than what folks think that we are right now? Or do you kind of feel like maybe uh, some of that is overblown and we really do, we need a lot, a lot of help right now? Because I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence about this, but I just like to know your opinion where we, where we stand. I don't think the team needs a super amount of help. I think the team's actually in a good position right now. Um, not in a good position as far as on the field yeah. at the moment uh, with this coaching staff um, and the way they've handled this, uh, the situation for the year. But going forward, I do think the team is actually in a good position um, if they make the right choice and uh, make the coaching change. Um, they make the coaching change then uh, and, and they give Joe Douglas the freedom to actually do what he needs to do during, uh, during free agency. Um, then you know, the, the team is going to be going in the right direction. Uh, and, you know, s- speaking hypothetically, if if they do end up with the first pick and if they do end up taking Trevor Lawrence, um, it's going to be a situation where he, he can look at the scope of the offense and see that there's good pieces there. There aren't guys that are out there that are just scrubs. He does. He, he won't see that. Again, he, he, he'll have guys to throw to. Um, that can make plays in, in, in this league and that will make plays in this league for a long time. Um, and coming from where he's coming from, being at a, a top-level college program, that's what you would look forward to uh, if you were a, a top-flight quarterback. Look at the scope of what the team has for you and and see if you can make the plays with that, and he does. Um, again, Crowder and Mims, if Perriman is here, Perriman isn't, um, and the, and Joe D goes out of free agency and grabs one of the, the, the top flight bar receivers he'll have pieces to work with young running backs here um offensive line will be coming along and 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 he'll see that he'll have his personal protector on his left side Um, i mean beckton is there um and if if beckton can stay healthy he'll be there for a long time so he won't have any problem with that um and on the other side of the ball the pieces will be coming together um you just gotta think that that next year there's guys that opted out that will be coming back cj mosley will be coming back yeah um so um, you know, I don't really know what's going to go on with May, uh, but if, if, if he's back, that's a big piece that, that that's back there, back in the defensive backfield. Yeah. Um, uh, it's unfortunate that the, that the young corners are actually, you know, uh, learning on the job, but <clears throat> that's this league, you know, you got to learn sooner or later. And I'm actually, you know, I, I don't have any problems with Bryce Hall being out there, man. That, that, that kid, that's talent. Yeah. Um, he's learning on the fire. Oh, having to step on the field going against Keenan Allen ain't easy. Um, and if that's the first person that you actually go against the first time you step on the field and you go out and you play pretty well, you know, you've got some talent. Um, and, and he's doing what he has to do. He's just he, next year is probably going to be a whole new situation that he, that, that he's going to be under. Um, I doubt he'll have to play as much man to man as he had to this year. Um, but with him being out there and having to do that and the rest of the young guys actually having to do that at the same time, the young DBs, um, it's only going to make them better. Um, it's not going to make them worse. So, uh, you know, looking at the scope of the things, if Trevor is actually, you know, having people in his ear, uh, whether it's his own head coach or uh, other outside influences talking to him, it's not as bad as everybody's making a scene uh, with the gym <clears throat> as far as on the field. Now, it's a whole different story when you're talking about, um, you know, uh, upper level management um, and ownership. Um, they just have to do the right thing. And hopefully, and, you know, this year, if they do the right thing and they change coaches, they let Joe D 
and the coaching staff do what they have to do instead of meddling in, 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 in things and, and, you know, end up messing it up. But uh, if they get the right coaching staff in here uh, and Joe D has another real good draft, another good uh, all season as far as free agency goes, this team is actually get, can, can do some things next year and, and years after that. Um, I, I, I don't see how, I mean, we know it's not going to get worse, um, but I, I think it'll be a lot better uh, real soon. Great points. Thank you. All right. So really quick, I want to go into the comments. Uh, some of them ra rather interesting. I'd like to thank everyone who is watching the broadcast right now and who is also uh, putting the uh, putting some comments down below for, for all of us uh, here tonight. Uh, really quick, just want to go through the ones that uh, really stuck out to me. Um, the problem with Perryman, uh, again, shout out to uh, Scott Gillespie. The problem with Perryman is it's going to cost more. Then this year, when he's been healthy, he's been put up pretty good numbers. He will make more than $6 million. On the left side, again, also Scott Gillespie, the left side, looked really good with Becton and the new guard, getting him offline. Yep. We'll, we'll help this team for next year. We won't have to use a draft pick or money in free agency on that position. I, I still would probably draft another one just to have a, a, an understudy because we're seeing it now with the loss of Alex Lewis – and that's something that uh, I actually want to talk about a little bit later on the show. Um, the, we're seeing how the depth is playing a, a, a pivotal role on the offensive line where last year we were limited in the amount of depth that we had. And that's why the offensive line struggled. I mean, last year, if you look at it, Sam Darnold, what, played behind nine different offensive line combinations with 11 different offensive linemen altogether. So, it, so I think only for two games, he actually played behind the same five guys. Now, I don't know how many games this year he actually played um, with all five of his starting lineup from, from week one, but I definitely think it was a, a lot more than he did last year. So we did see Becton go out hurting, hurting the shoulder. Uh, Fant was out with the foot. Um, McGovern uh, – um, no, not McGovern. McDermott was was sit for uh, for was actually benched just for um for for crappy play because he was getting blown up. So we saw a couple of different uh, offensive line combinations, and, and I just think that when you compare the offensive line last year compared to what we have this year, it, it's de it's not where it should be. But it's we're not thirty second in the league like we were last year. Right. I mean, we were thirty second in the league by a mile. So, I mean, and it wasn't even close. So, you know, I, I do have to think that the, the offensive line is now finally starting to trend upward. Um, uh, to Rob's point about the defensive backs, he's exactly right. That's why the, that's why the back shoulder throw works so well, because DBs never turn around. Um, but, uh, also in response to Rob's point about special teams, uh, yeah, tell that to the Patriots today. They had like 175 yard on three three punt returns. I think the Patriots won their game like 35 nothing or some some ridiculous thing to get the 500. I mean, good for them, but you know, it, it, it also still does show how how special teams ha has changed from when Rob was suiting up and playing versus what we're seeing now. You know, because of all of the injuries that they're trying to avoid. One thing, the one thing I was, I'll, I'll comment on that is. Patriots took advantage of uh, advantage of the Chargers. The Chargers yeah. have yep. poor, poor special teams, and 
if you give Belichick a chance to take advantage of something that you do poorly, he will do it. And they, they had a punt return, they had a block kick for a touchdown. So, you know, that, that's just an anomaly in, in, in today's game. Um, Got to with that. Uh, I think the Eagles uh, returned a punt for a touchdown today too, but you know you don't you don't see that much anymore because you don't see you don't see too many more too many punt returns at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right about we, that. We saw Andre Roberts do it here, uh, just you know, just a, a, a couple of years ago. So right, I mean, right. The, the, the rule changes. I mean, they they do you know uh, do something to maybe damage the overall product, but I mean, you still have to go out on Sunday and you still have to play. And if these guys are Correct. not prepared, if their special teams units are not up to the task, then yeah, most definitely. That it can still be an opportunity to be gashed. It's not like we haven't seen teams, you know, uh, uh, take advantage of those. Like like we see uh, Kansas City do on on occasion when those guys, you know, who the fastest guys in the league are running those things back, kickoffs and punts. So, I mean, it, it is it is an opportunity, and I think that's you know it, it is a, a whole aspect of the game that the uh, you know going into you know uh, uh, the last few seasons, the Jets in particular. I thought maybe we had a little bit of an advantage uh, with uh, uh, Brent Boyer coming in and doing what it is that we did on special teams. I mean, we, we actually came into the season thinking that if Adam Gase could manage the offense and the defense played to the level that it played last season, that our special teams could be the deciding factor in quite a few games. And uh, unfortunately, it hasn't <laughs> been that way, even though Braden Mann, and, and I'm just going to say it again, um, when, when my little moratorium on purchasing Jets merch is up. I'm I'm buying a Braid Man jersey. I'm telling you, I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it again. <laughs> I'm not. Who's the last time you bought a punter's jersey? Look, that's that's gonna be the first one. I'm buying that Braid Man jersey. <laughs> Listen, you gotta wear that shit on the air. I'm holding you to it. Look, 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 and and I I won't even wear the bag when I wear it. Trust me, I won't even wear the bag. <laughs> no, we want the bag with the grease stain, dude. Okay, I'm highly disappointed that you didn't wear a bag for tonight's show. <laughs> I might have All to right, get <laughs> Getting back to the comments, uh, uh, Scott Gillespie again. Uh, there is one reason why Trevor Lawrence is coming out. Just look at what happened to the Cincinnati Bengals QB. If he uh, if he stays in school, he might lose everything. Uh, Thomas Gutman, uh, shout out to him for chiming in. If any loyal Jets fan was watching this game and saw the Jets about to win, and if one didn't think for a second, win for what, you might not be a true fan. <laughs> I have to say, you know, Real talk, I was honestly torn at the end of the game. And, like, I'm in a group chat with Kevin and a couple of other guys uh, from, from from a different show. And we were all talking privately. And uh, I, I had told them, I'm like, when the Jets were up 28 to 24, I, I, was, I was legitimately torn. I was like, <laughs> the fan in me wanted them to get that W, but my brain is going in the back going, no, number one draft pick, <laughs> first overall draft pick. What are you doing? So, yeah, I I, I had my moment today where right. I, I was trying to contain my please get this W for for you know for the bigger overall picture, and then and, and, then, then, and then watching the Jags throw it away also you know right. thinking, thinking that might have been a you know, working been so a hard to for to to force overtime just to have Mike Glennon just basically handed on the silver platter to the Vikings. My, my you the other gentlemen out here were in the same exact boat exactly. Wanted to see it happen, but you didn't want to see it happen. Right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. I, I, well, your I, your I heart wants. No, no one can ever really say that they're, you know, I'm, I'm all for, I'm all for, you know, 0 and 16. I mean, there's, there's a, there is a level of embarrassment that comes with that. Yeah. Uh, to yeah. an extent. I mean, I, I live in Georgia, so, you know, I'm surrounded by, you know, fans of other teams, uh, Cowboys fans, Falcons fans, uh, you know, Packers Steelers fans. 
Um, and I mean, me, you know, I wear my Jets gear. I wear my jerseys. I wear my hats. I wear my hoodies. I wear all of that stuff, you know. And uh, it, it's difficult. But the fact of the matter is, is that um, when I say we'll be all right, that's kind of dependent upon us going 0-16 this season, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Does that really make my neighborhood, I mean, a lot of Giants fans around me in my neighborhood. Yeah. They, 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 oh, they, wow. they, they know what I'm about. So. I get it all the time. Yeah. You know, I get outside walking my dogs and I hear it. So <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a it's a difficult situation. It's um, not but, heart. My well, heart right? was like my heart was like 28-24. And then my head was like, you have to think of the next 10 years. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? And it, like just like with you guys, man, I was I was torn. I was like, yeah, but right. no. <laughs> crowder, crowder scores crowder scores and i jump up like oh, yeah. and i'm like oh what am i doing yeah. wait, wait. i just need to know where to send right. the gift basket what, to henry ruggs <laughs> i mean you want to you want to see it happen but you don't want to see it happen right, right. yeah man it's hard points are on the board but you just want to see right. the other have just one more point exactly yeah. and, 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 and the the, here we are and i said it earlier and, and cj you know will tell you you know we we snatch a victory from the jaws of defeat. But the fact of the matter is, is that really as a Jets fan, I think the one thing that really kind of does make sense about what it is that we're rooting for, we're looking for competitive play in losses. Yeah. Right. Right. Competitive play in losses. That's really kind of the best case scenario for us. Well, you, I'm, you look at I'm actually hoping that Sam would play better. I um, mean, you know, Sam, uh, two touchdowns, one interception, you know, the, the, the two fumbles in particular. And, and I don't want to lay all of the blame on the fumbles on Sam because, there, there, you know, there were some offensive line hiccups. But that's kind of been the story since, uh, you know, since he's been here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Beckton got beat on a on just a uh, on just a bull rush where he didn't. Uh, uh, Farrell Farrell actually put the put the gave gave him the business today, and uh, his, his legs got crossed up. Like he yeah, was trying to adjust, and it didn't do it quick. And enough. then the and then the one on the inside where you know it, it just as a, you know kind of forget he's a rookie because he's been as dominant as he has. But you know he's he's supposed to recognize that, and you know we were talking about that in the chat earlier. Um, you know if he's a veteran, he doesn't miss that that you know that that guy coming across his face he, he he's able to you know get his hand out and, and if, if nothing else give sam another second to be able to process and right. be able to what it is that he needs to do to not even a second just another half a second I mean, that and that's all it would take way there i Rob, think this looks like you want to chime in go for it i think the speed of feral caught uh beckton off guard early yeah. in the game exactly um and it's 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 funny because uh i was on i was on a show this morning and it was uh it was guys from from the Raiders and it was guys that I talked to from the Raiders that um they have a show and I, I I speak to these guys regularly throughout the year but anytime the Raiders play the Jets they always ask me to come on the show and that's one of the things that we actually talked about this morning was um and and they were saying that Farrell is back um and and he's a good pass rusher and I said the one thing that that he's gonna have to go against is Becton um and we'll see how it plays out but uh I think the, the again the one thing that caught off guard, I think early in the game was the speed of a furrow coming off the edge. Um, on the first sack, he just ran around the boat on him, and and Beckton really didn't get hardly a hand on him. Um, and again, the second one, the second one was was a mix up on a, in in an offensive line pass uh, protection. You know, they're supposed to pass that off as routine. Anytime a, a, a TE stunt comes in, that's that's nothing that a, that offensive linemen haven't seen before. That's routine for them. They passed it off regularly, and I don't think they were ready for that. And it, it, it caught them off guard again. 
Um, you see Farrell come in. He, he lined up inside instead of outside, and he, he looped outside and caught, caught back and off guard. But um, for the rest of the game, I think he was pretty stout. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Back to normal. The one thing that, that I will say um, that Sam has to do in those situations, even if he doesn't have the time, he has to put two hands on the ball. Um, and I, I, I chime in on Daniel Jones from the Giants, having all those turnover uh, uh, problems with him. That was his biggest problem, that he didn't have two hands on the ball when he was in the pocket. So he yeah. fumbled a lot in the pocket. Sam has to know when the pressure's around you, that you have to keep two hands on the ball and you have to keep it high. That's how you eliminate getting stripped. That's how you eliminate fumbling in the pocket. Um, but, and getting away from that just a little bit, we don't want these teams to lose, but we do want this team to be competitive for, for a long time. Look at the Bengals. Look at Burrow. Burrow came in and changed the whole format for, of that team. Now, don't get me wrong. They weren't winning this year because they're not a very good team. Yeah. Um, but, the games that he played, they he showed that he can be a guy that's going to be in his league and be able to carry a team for a long time if they are able to get that team together. Mm-hmm. He shows what he can do in this league. That's all you guys be hoping for if the Jets actually get that pick and they make Trevor Lawrence that, that, that number one pick to show that, that they actually have a guy who can make decisions in the pocket, who can make the passes that need to be made um, and, and give the team a chance to win. That's what Burrow was doing with the Bengals. Um, and again, their team is not that great because the defense is not that good. They're going to give up way too many points than I think, uh, and Burrow as a rookie can actually uh, overcome. But he won a couple of games this year. He wasn't expecting that from them. Um, he showed that he's the real deal. It's just hope that, uh, you know, if, if it happens that Trevor comes in and he shows he's the same thing. All right. So I, I, I got to do it. Uh, and I mean, I, I kind of said to myself I wasn't going to do it earlier, but I, I got to play devil's advocate <laughs> here. Um, Let's just say for the sake of argument that uh, the Jets come out and play inspired ball and we don't necessarily uh, get to that number one pick. Um, have you paid any attention to any of the other guys, Justin, uh, the fields in particular? Um, how do you feel about, you know, us being in a position to pick up one of those guys? And, and, and you know, even, even, even though we're, we're looking again at, at the overall team situation and saying that it might be a little better than what folks think, um, does it mean that Trevor Lawrence is the only guy that could come in and kind of, you know, right the ship? Or do I mean, do you see some other guys that, that you think might actually be able to come in and, and, and be, if not, uh, you know, the same, maybe similarly effective in, uh, you know, kind of helping us to get to the next level? I honestly don't have a problem with Justin Fields. Um, I don't. Uh, he, he had one hiccup last week. Uh, um, didn't play that well, but he came out yesterday and he played great. Um, uh, back to the way he actually normally would play. Um He's not – I wouldn't say he's actually the guy who you look at as, as Trevor Lawrence, but um, he's a guy who I think can make a make a team transform. Um, and if you put guys around him that know how to play, and the Jets have that in place at the moment uh, with their skill position uh, guys, um, he's a quarterback that can make the plays. Um, is he going to have to learn a little bit on the fly? Absolutely, because I don't think uh, at, at the moment – that he makes the, the the pinpoint passes that Trevor Lawrence does. I don't think he um, anticipates enough because it's not in his offense. Uh, the, the way that Ohio State runs their offense is not in that offense right now for him to do that. Um, what he's going to have to learn uh, coming into the league uh, at this point is um, the quick throws, um, getting the ball in and out of his hand as fast as he can on, on some hot reads, um, anticipate throws on breaks. Um, but 
Do I think you can do that? Absolutely. Um, if you guys actually saw the end of the uh, Eagles game today and you saw Jalen Hurts come in um, and, and do what he did at the end of the game, he's going to be a guy that guys uh, make some plays in this league. Um, do I think Fields is, is a level above Hurts? I do. Um, to me, he's a little on the, on, on the level of, and I, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying he's this guy, but he reminds me of Deshaun Watson, um, where he can get out of the pocket, make some plays with his feet. Um, oh. He has a enough arm to get the ball down the field. He can make every throw on the field, inside, outside. Um, it's just that Deshaun had the knack of making plays out of nothing. <laughs> um, do I think Fields can do that? I, I do. He actually showed it yesterday where he actually was, was caught in the pocket and actually got out and actually scrambled for a touchdown. Yeah. Um, that's something that you would look at Deshaun Watson doing when he was at Clemson. He'd be like, man, this kid's going to be special. Um, and I think he does have the, the ability to do that. Um, but we all know that the overall guy is, is a consensus. Yeah. Look at uh, the QB from BYU. Um, he's going to be good in this league. And Zach um, Jones. Yep. Wilson. That's his name. Zach, Zach Wilson. Wilson. Zach Brown or something like that. Or Zach Wilson. Um, Zach Wilson is his name. Um, and you look at the QB from Florida. He's going to be good in this league. Kyle, that's my boy. I love Kyle Trask. <laughs> I love him. I want him and I want Kyle Pitts. Pitts is a Pitts is on another level as a tight end, but Trask is actually he's shown that even without Pitts in the game, he can make every throw. Yes. Um, anticipates throws. Um he has a strong enough arm to make the the throw from one hash uh to the outside the numbers. Um he can throw the deep ball, put it put it where it needs to be, give the receiver a chance to make a play. Um Trask has actually shown that he's actually a guy that if you look at what happened with Joe Burrow from where Burrow went from his first year at LSU to last year, Trask is that guy that basically has come out of nowhere um, and shown that, that he can actually be a top level QB at a high level program playing against high level competition. Um, and don't get me wrong because uh, uh, you know, uh, teams down there in, 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 in the SEC, they have talent all over the field. Um, and, and Florida has talent all over the field for, for Trask to be throwing the ball. But when it was all about uh, Pitts early in the year is, is can he do it without Pitts? When Pitts got hurt, he showed that he can continue to, to play at that high level. So, you know, there are other guys besides Lawrence that, that, that are going to play well in this, in this league that, uh, and these QBs are going to be drafted in the first round. So, and, and those were a few that I, that, that I mentioned. So, yeah. um, you know, it's not all about Lawrence if that, if that doesn't happen, but, um, of course, everybody wants him to, to, to be that number one guy. I, 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 the only reason I even asked that question is because I was a Lamar guy, um, uh, Lamar Jackson, when, when Sam came out. And, and I, I was again, again to this very day, I still I bang the table saying, you know, yes, Sam would be a, a great option. But Lamar Jackson, I, I just felt like was going to be the best quarterback coming out that season. And I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty. It is what it is. But I still kind of feel right now and, and, and I'll just kind of throw my rationale about this, about uh, Trevor Lawrence in particular. Um, and you made the great point. He comes from one of the best teams in the league and he's always had the best around him. How does that transition when he comes in to the next level and he doesn't have that? Does he still have the same confidence? Is he still going to be able to make some of those same plays? Does he still have the same level of, of, of you know, I, I guess, you know, the, the upper echelon that uh, that he's been? Um, and I, I'm I don't know. I'm, I'm still on the fence about that. I really think that Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields are closer than maybe some people might think when it comes to how their skill sets transition on the next level. Yes, Trevor Lawrence is a much more polished product 
but I don't necessarily know if that actually uh, qualifies that he'll be a better quarterback on the next level. Um, example, uh, you know, Josh Allen and, and, and how yes. he's uh, kind of turned the corner in Buffalo. You know, Josh Allen, I think, was was what? The, the, the lowest um, ranked quarterback on, on quite a few people's list when he came out. Mainly and, because of playing in Wyoming. Well, this right. is true. This is true. I, I'm in smaller, you know, smaller school, right? But, uh, for you know, also some of the accuracy issues that, that uh, you know, we talked about. Yeah. On, on Scout's uh, eyes. Um, but as, as you said, with with Justin Fields and, and Trevor Lawrence, the thing is, as I mentioned, is uh, is anticipation of roles. Um, that's going to be that's going to be the difference. Um, and you know, with 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 Trevor Lawrence making throws that he, that he makes, um, once you get around the guys that you actually are thrown to, if you can anticipate the throws, it doesn't matter the the, the level that you actually have. He's going to make the throw, um, and whether it's the right throw or not, is going to be the question. And he's going to put the put the pass in the right position. So once you get used to the guys that you're actually going to be throwing to, um, you know that if you have a guy who's a speed guy and he's going down the field, you have to put the ball out in front of him. You know, if you ask the guy who has who doesn't have that great speed, um, and if he's running a, a deep route, you might have to throw a back shoulder fade um, to that guy. So you get to know those guys. And the one thing about Trevor Lawrence is you can see he knows his guys that he's throwing to. So <clears throat> whether he has to throw, throw a pass out in front of somebody or whether he has to put it in a spot that only the, the, the receiver can get to it, he makes those throws. That's the difference between guys who actually are are decent in this league and guys who are at the uh, uh, upper level of, of very good. You see Aaron Rodgers do it all the time. You know, his guys aren't the fastest guys in this in this league, but somehow he puts the ball in a spot where only the receiver can get it. He puts it in a spot there because he anticipates that throw um, for his guys to be in that spot. Um, Brady used to do that as well. You, I, I would like beat the table wondering you know, our DB didn't get his hands on the ball. Brady just put the ball in the right spot, especially when he's throwing the Gronk. You know, when you know you have a guy that actually has a, a huge catch radius, you can put the ball in certain spots that only he can get it. And you'd be like, damn, he just caught that? Holy crap. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, when you have a good quarterback who anticipated throw and can put it in a spot, uh, it, it, it makes makes up for the lack of talent that he might have around him. Um, and, and Trevor Lawrence is one of those guys that can do that. It's yet to be seen if Fields is actually going to be doing that a lot. Um, that's that's one of the things that that um, I'm I'm waiting to find out. But Trask does that at, at, at Florida. Um, he puts the ball in a spot for only his guys to get it. Now, don't get me wrong, because a lot of his guys run wide open. But if you hit these guys wide open in, in, in stride, which he does, that bodes well. It sees it knows that you're seeing the field, you're reading the coverage, and you see who's going to be there, and you put the ball in the spot for these guys to make plays. Because a lot of those plays that those guys make down there in, in Florida run after the catch. He puts it in a spot and they can do it. He wouldn't. He d- doesn't throw the ball behind him where a guy has to turn around and and, and break stride uh, when he's making a catch. Um, and he can put the ball in tight spaces. So you you like to see that. So um, again, with it, whether it's Trevor Lawrence or or any of the guys that, that that I've named, I don't have a problem with any of those guys because I think all those guys that I named are going to play well at the NFL level. Okay. I, my only concern with Justin Fields is what we're seeing now. I'll give Justin Fields this from what I've lo- watched over the last couple of years of him. He's a Lamar Jackson that can throw, if that makes sense. And I'm not fully dogging on Lamar Jackson's ability to throw the ball. I'm just saying that we're seeing a very, very, very one-dimensional Baltimore football team right now. 
And they've been Lamar Jackson's been figured out by NFL defenses, and that's why they're stagnant this year. Problem and, with the problem with Baltimore is they didn't surround Lamar with a with enough guys. Um, yeah, uh, that that's a problem. Uh, and then you got Hollywood Brown having to delete some tweets because he was pretty fired up about about right. some things there too. But which I get, you know, it's a fiery game. My my concern is the NFL is able to figure out running quarterbacks over a couple of years. They get a couple of seasons of tape on the guy, and then it, it's just kind of downhill, you know. And they have to evolve. I don't see that. CJ's going to love this if if we don't end up to 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 put my answer to your question there kevin if if we don't end up with the number one pick i want because we're going to be number one number two yeah um i think the number two pick with justin fields because i think he can be really good i think that pick will be nearly as valuable at number two as the number one pick and i would trade back pick up kyle trask and pick up trask wow because we can get we can get an extra we can get an extra first for that second round how or for that back, number two how pick, far back I think. Do you think we'd, uh, how far back do you think that we could go and still not lose trash? You know, and not risk it? Yeah, uh, you know, there's going to be a run. There's going to be at least, you know, maybe, those, those top-tier guys. How far six. back? I would say no no further back than six. Okay. Yeah, because, because Trask is going in the top ten. Yeah. So, and you also have to hope that Kyle Pitts is, going, is, is not going in the top ten. Because remember, the Jets are going to have the, the Seattle Seahawks number one pick, and I'm I'm hoping and praying. However, though, I, I don't expect Kyle Pitts to be on the board, uh, probably past fifteen, and I'll be shocked if he is. Yeah. But you, you know, with that second first round pick, you know whether it's whether we get the first overall pick and we get Lawrence, or if say we end up in the three slot, you know, or, or we or we end up in the two slot and we trade out to say maybe number five, then yeah, I would uh, I would take Kyle Trask. And with that, that second first-round pick, I would get Kyle Pitts. And if I couldn't get Pitts, then I would go after, you know, best wide receiver available or, or, or best offensive lineman available. You know what? The offensive line question, I think, is going to be, is going to be big, um, just considering where our offensive line stands right now and really the possibility of adding a top-flight guy on the interior uh, going into next season. Um, you know, the, the, I guess the, the unfortunate situation of us not being able to see where Cameron Clark is right now, who I really kind of thought was going to be a guy that was going to make some noise this season, whether it be because of the injury or maybe they, they don't feel he's just ready at this point in time to, to put him out there. Um, even with some of the injury history, uh, some of the injuries that we're seeing, especially with Lewis going out now. And, uh, you know, I know we just brought in, what's his Elfin, if I'm, if I'm saying that correctly. Elfline. Yeah, yeah, Elfline actually had a really good game he today. Did and uh, yeah. look, they they yeah. made some points today in film. Him and him and Beckton were, you know, they were looking pretty good today uh, as a combination. But you know, we we kind of do need to solidify that position, you know, long term going forward. Hopefully, you know, if, if this guy's going to step in, I know Elfline isn't isn't an older older player. He he may be able to step in, but I'm really interested to see what Cameron Clark can do. Um, th- these these picks. Uh, coming into the draft are going to be really interesting because, you know, because we do have, you know, the questions about wide receiver, because we do have the questions about pass rush, because we do have the the need, I believe, to bring in cornerbacks. And there's going to be some guys on that level that might, you know, kind of garner some interest there Um, as well as, you know, if there are trade situations and we end up moving, um, how does that, you know, kind of not only give us an opportunity to add players at that position, but also give us more opportunities to add more of those types of guys within those first few rounds. 
it's going to be exciting to see. And, and, and to Rob's point, again, just because we do have, you know, um, as many holes, and I, I, I kind of don't like to say it in that, in that term, because I think that we are looking up at this point, we still do have quite a few holes that need to be filled. Um, seeing what Joe Douglas uh, and his vision for the team is really going to look like, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Personally, I would love to see. Uh, I would love to see us. You know, if we go based on what we're looking at right now, Trevor Lawrence number one. Uh, did Seattle end up losing CJ? Yes, they did. They lost. They the did. Lions. Awesome. So, so if we're getting, uh, you know, had a had a good day, courtesy of uh, uh, Thomas Gutman, who who chimed in with that. So shout out to him. But I would like to see. (laughs) (laughs) I that pick is going to be between you know twenty twenty five, roughly. I would like to see from a lot of the mock drafts that I'm doing. um, You know, taking Lawrence at number one, right in that twenty to twenty five range. I would love to get Sean Wade, cornerback from Ohio State. Awesome. Um, the other one that I would do is I would take Sean Wade at, at the 20 to 25 and then hopefully Creed Humphrey center from Ohio or from Oklahoma. If he's available at 33, then you talk about free agency. I'm thinking Allen Robinson. I'm thinking Kenny Galladay. Yeah. I'm thinking Joe Tooney. They're not going to franchise tag him again. I and think I the, the cap right now is as low as it will ever go. Yeah. Okay. The cap cannot get below $176 million. 2022 is going to go way up again because everybody is going to be showing up to these games again. These guys are going to make bank. So the cap's going to go way up. I think the Jets open up those purse strings, man. You get the top guy. You get get Joe Tooney. You get Allen Robinson or Kenny Galladay. Bud Dupree, he's he's hurt, but – Pittsburgh's going to have to get rid of $20 million of negative cap space. Saints are going to have to get rid of $95 million in cap space. They were in bad shape so there's going to be a lot of, a lot of talent floating around out there that only a select few teams can actually go after. We're one of four teams in the NFL for next year that have over 50 million in cap space. So it's, it's our market. It's our market coming up in 2021. So spend that cash, man, get those free agents, Grab yourself a nice corner, a good quarterback, and we can we can move forward. This thing can be rebuilt in a year. I'm telling you, it can. At, at least be uh, functionally looking like you know these guys. You know they have something. Yeah, Rob, Rob, Rob you had something that you wanted to chime in. Excuse me. No, I was just going to say that that the um, the draft is basically going to be predicated on what happens in free agency. That's all. Um, For sure. If those if those holes are plugged in free agency, then other than the first pick, uh, you know, um, everything is going to go go a little different than what everybody would yeah. hope. Uh, you know, if if as you said, if it's Allen Robinson, if it's Tooney, you know, if, if the, those guys are actually uh, uh, brought in, then there's not as much of a need in those positions during the during the draft. So you plug right. another everything other than the first pick. Uh, is, is going to be predicated on what's um what's done in free agency. That's a, that, that's all I was going to say. And 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 we and we kind of saw uh, Joe Douglas in particular. And and I mean, you know, I, I know Jim. We we're kind of talking about the draft last season in particular, and how the guys that he brought in, you know, other than Beckton specifically, and, and to Rob's point again, guys that we weren't really expecting to see. 
You know, I mean, did we really did we really go in saying, oh, yeah, he's going to draft, a you know, a safety in Ashton Davis? Or did we expect he was going to go after James Morgan in the fourth round? Right or, or, you know, we we didn't even, you know, we didn't even expect to see um, P. Ryan. I, I, I know, CJ, you were banging the table for that guy, but I wasn't expecting to see P. Ryan drafted. I personally thought that he was going to be, you know, maybe a little later on uh, down the line. But, you know, no, I was banging was, the table for it, for, for P. Ryan and also Jabari Zuniga. Yeah. Now, well, I mean, those, Jabari those Zuniga, unfortunately, you know, he's he's made a few mistakes since he's been on the field. And there were there were a couple of times where he found himself out of positioning um, where, where, you know, T, where he, he found himself out of position in which the, the opponent was able to get a good gain on his side and his, you know, his ability, I just think, that it's going to take a little bit more coaching for him to really heat to really reach that threshold. But I still haven't ruled out that I, I still think that he could be he could be a pass rusher. He could easily be the Jets' answer at pass rusher. Um, John Franklin Myers has turned out to be a tremendous to, to guy, be a, 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 a tremendous pickup. Yeah, Ryan, unfortunately, with the high ankle sprain, will be lucky if we see him good to go within another week or two. I mean, however, there is a good chance that he may get some significant carry because Frank Gore suffered a concussion today. So we don't know exactly, you know, when when Gore is going to be able to return. Personally, if I, if I'm Gore, do I really want to play? Yeah, Adam, you know, Adam, uh, Adam, I mean, after that, so you know, and then just another thing too. We, we we it's it's good to talk about the draft and and the holds that we could potentially fill and the fact that we could potentially turn this this program around. But we're leaving out the key component, the guy who's got to push the buttons, yeah. and that's the head coach. So for, for me, I'm not even going to think about the draft. I'm not going to think about free agency. I'm not going to get excited about anything until Adam Gase is given his walking papers. <laughs> you know, And it is completely plastered all over the back page of the Daily News, the New York Times, the front page of the New York Times, the Post, and every place else. Okay, Because as long as that guy is in the building, uh, I'm sorry, the Jets are going to be like Chernobyl after the meltdown. So, you know, I, I mean, for me, once, once the Patriots game is over, regard, regardless of the result, whether we end up 1-15, 0-16, whatever, okay, you, you have to show him the door. And the first, Christopher Johnson. The first, report, right. the first report from the team. So, I mean, dude, you got you guys already know how I feel. I already said when the clock hits triple zero, Joe Douglas should just kick over the locker room door and tell this guy to beat it. They so should already have the podium set up and ready to go with the <laughs> backdrop. Right. Just watch, watch Joe Douglas. Come so on, just guys. fire him at halftime. And <laughs> right, just you, know, like, you know what it is. <laughs> Security <laughs> escort him out of the game. <laughs> so, but one of the things, too, um, I, I, I did want to touch on this subject because we are we are kind of getting up against it. Um, the situation with Alex Lewis, which which was a little bit troubling. Now, the, um, the 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 rumors are and stuff that has been reported on on social media is that Alex Lewis got into a, a, a verbal altercation with Joe Flacco, and then sometime after that also got into a verbal altercation with Adam Gase. Um, in which now it turns out that he's been put on the non-football injury list, um, which apparently, I guess, he must be battling some sort of mental issue. So I actually wanted to pose this question to Rob because being that this is 
being he's been in an NFL locker room, have you ever heard of guys getting into it with each other or with coaches and then subsequently being deactivated because of that? Or are we starting to see a new trend now that the game is evolving, that this is something that we may going to have to start looking out for in the future? Yeah, with with, with pay, though. With pay, right? This is, this is not a trend. Um, it happens. You got, you know, 60 or so guys from all different backgrounds um, in a locker room together. Not everything is all hunky-dory, um, even, with, even with coaches. Um, because the one thing that's, that's different at this, this stage is that it is a business. Um, and every guy feels like they're on the level with the next guy um, and even the coaching staff. Um, don't get me wrong, you give your coaches, uh, you know, their props and, and, and your head coach, you give them all the leeway possible, um, you know, to, to, to coach you. But you do get into heated arguments. Um, it's, it's just that way. You know, you're, you're a grown man. The other guy's a grown man. And, you know, that's just uh, how situations go down. But the way things are now, um, you know, guys can be if, – if there's a, an, an issue, and like you said, it just – it does seem like there's an actual issue uh, going on with uh, with Alex. Um, and it seems like the team wanted to address it, uh, but not in a negative way. Uh, so, um, you know, they were looking for a way to get him some help, um, but at the same time make sure that he was still sort of part of the team and – you know, he still got his, uh, he still got his paycheck. So um, they came to the conclusion with the, within the team and with the players association that the, you know, the NFI was the way to go. Um, that shows me that, they, that, that they were looking out for, for him yeah. uh, and that there is sort of an issue there. Um, so, and they, they, they were just trying to look to, to get him the help that he needs. But again, this is not new. Um, guys argue in the locker room. Um, I mean, I've had teammates fight each other in the locker room, you know what I'm saying? So um, I've, I've seen guys go right at, right at other coaches. Um, you know, stuff gets heated, man. Um, you know, when there's competition out there, uh, you know, when you're, when you're looking to um, be in a situation where you're fighting for your job and, and a coach might say something to you that, that you might not see as, as on the level, you might come back at him. Um, and you, you might come back at a, at a, at a, at a teammate. It happens. I mean, you know, we've seen videos over the years where, where, where you know, uh, teammates are fighting on the field. Mm-hmm. We've seen yeah, those during, videos. during training camp and stuff like that. Yeah. And and it happens a lot during training camp because training camp is when you're fighting for your job. Right. Uh, is at its highest at its highest peak, yeah. and it's hot. You might be tired. You don't want to deal with some of the nonsense, <laughs> and you know, you just fall out the handle. And it, and it happens, man. Um, I mean, I've been in that situation. It's happened uh, with me. Um, with, with other teammates, you know, and not first, nothing last. But the Alex situation is is a little um, unique in the fact that the team is actually looking out for him um, and trying to get him the help that it, that that he may need if that's actually the case, and actually keep him part of the team and and, and keep him with his paycheck at the same time. So, all right, uh, Jimmy. Before before I get to you, um, I actually have a question for Rob from 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 one of our viewers. Uh, Mr. Tom and, uh, Thomas Gutman asks, question, if a player is on the non, uh, non-active player list, would that put him non-eligible for a dole test? 
if he dolds out, do the Jets still have to pay him? Um, no. Um, if he fails the test, you know, that, that, that doesn't have to do with anything about being on the, non, uh, the NFI list. He fails the test, he fails the test, whether, he, whether he's on it or not, um, and you lose your paycheck. Okay. All right. So, Tommy, I hope we answered that question for you. Uh, Ashley Cox chimes in. Lots of testosterone involved in this sport. Yes, of course. Um, you know, this is the only sport in which physical assault is legal on the field. Okay. Well, it's a passionate game. You and you can't just turn it on and turn it off. You know, once you're in that mindset, and again, uh, that's just my from my lowly high school playing days. Once you're once you're in that mindset, it's hard to shut that down after the game. Man, it's, it's, a teammate says something in the locker room after the game. Why didn't you make this play? That play. You might have to stuff them in a locker. I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, I mean, hey, listen, you know, I mean, I've gotten into arguments when uh, when I've played, you know, sports and stuff like that in high school, and I've left, you know, I've uh, I've left games being pissed off, whether it was basketball, yeah. whether it was football, or whatever, you know, just because you know a guy a guy misses a play and you're over there busting your ass and you still lose, so you know, it's it's it it's not fun. I mean, in the heat of competition, yeah, that makes so, sense. Um, the, the the stuff about Adam Gase. Now. Yeah, of course. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, so our resident smartass Scott <laughs> Scott Clutchby chimes back in. Extra, extra, read all about it. Gase is given a contract extension. Come on, man. <sighs> Why? Why are you gonna say that? Why are you gonna put that evil on right? us, Ricky Bobby? Sorry, Kevin. I didn't mean to steal it from you, brother. Every time somebody says that. <laughs> like, yeah, dude. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So now it gets. Uh, we are now getting to our favorite part of the show. Uh, as we wrap it up, Kevin Jackson is going to pick someone to take us in the spotlight. In the spotlight with Kevin Jackson. Kevin Jackson. All righty. Kevin, who do we got in the spotlight tonight? All right, once again, um, in the blazing white hot spotlight, um, really simple. The Johnsons, and I mean, I'm 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 gonna run this back again because I really think that this is probably the most impactful um, situation to to unfold, you know, o- o- not only over the course of the rest of the season but over the course of the next off season as well. Um, what the Johnsons do in this case, whether it be how it is that they they go about um, either allowing Joe Douglas to fire Adam Gase or deciding that Adam Gase is still going to be their guy and not giving him the autonomy to be able to do that, not giving him the autonomy to be able to functionally hire the new head coach and allow those things to take place the way that they need to. Um, the, the, the Johnsons really are kind of holding us hostage um, until they really are clear about what it is that they're going to do. We, we have, we have again, a, a little bit of a crossroads. And we've talked about this, and CJ, you know, we, we've gone back for years, even when, when I was doing the show with Robbie. And, and Jimmy, you probably, heard, you probably heard us talk about this a, a few different times. Um, the Johnsons at this juncture and how it is that they've decided to set up the front office with the head coach and the GM reporting and doing what it is that they've done. And even going back to Idzik and not him and him not being able to fire Rex and, and, and all of the, the, the turmoil that revolves around those types of uncertainties being made by, by non-football guys, you know, again, 
Mm-hmm. Um, the difficulty yeah. is the difficulty for me is that if it is, again comes to a situation where these are the gentlemen who are going to be making the final decision and have the final say. Um, once Chris Johnson had that little uh, press conference at the beginning of the season and espoused the the the, the great offensive prowess of Adam Gase, that to me right there, I, I I tune I tune them out. I stop even believing anything it is that they were saying because I recognize you have no clue what it is that you're talking about, and you being able to make that decision is actually in, in, is 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 detrimental to the success of this franchise going forward. So the the Johnsons are going to be in the spotlight. I mean, I could pick a player. Yeah, sure, I could say you know uh, is Sam Darnold going to give us an opportunity to add a second and a fifth or a third and a fourth going forward? You know that that's a that's a legitimate it's a valid question. Is Trevor Lawrence going to be in the spotlight? We don't know what what's going to happen over the course of the rest of the season. Um, do we end up uh, you know having games? you know, later on that, uh, you know, maybe Mims can show up and actually do something. Oh yeah. All, all of that stuff is, 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 you know, kind of background noise until the Johnsons determine what it is that they're going to do about the direction of this organization going forward. There is no other spotlight to be placed. There is nothing as hot. There is nothing as bright as the spotlight that is on, whether it be Chris or whether it be Woody. We know Woody's got his own personal things going on right now. Um, I'm thinking he might actually come back and because he's got those other things, he might come in inside, he want to kick some ass. He might come in inside, he wants to switch up some things or he might want to just make sure that everybody recognizes I'm still the man in charge and he's going to press his thumb on something and, and, you know, we don't know. But the fact of the matter is, is that every hope that we have for next season and for the seasons that are to follow are going to hinge upon what it is that these guys do, not only at the end of this season, because again, we've already talked about it. If they don't jettison Adam Gase with the quickness ASAP, we've got a problem. Um, If they don't decide what it is that they're going to do as far as uh, giving Joe Douglas the authority that I think that he's warrants. Um, you know, we 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 saw Joe what what Joe Douglas can do with with I guess whatever limited you know capacities he has with the, the player personnel. I mean, yeah, none of us really kind of expected some of the draft picks, but some of those guys actually you know really played well. And we've actually even looking at some of the undrafted free agents that they bought in. Um, you know, actually being able to contribute and looking like they might have positions on this team going forward. Um, the Johnsons and what it is that they do. In the spotlight, man. I mean, I, I'll, I'll shut it down there because, I mean, I'm not really sure what else can be said. Um, what do you guys think? All right, Rob, I'd, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, and then we'll circle back around to numbers. Um, well, you you, you you hit it right on the head. It, it, it's it's going to be Chris's decision um, at the end of the season. Woody's not going to be here. Um, and, and, you know, Woody probably won't be back around until, you know, late January, February. By that time, the decisions need to be made on who's going to be running the team uh, as far as the head coach goes. Um, so the, the offseason program can get underway. Um, so it's going to be left up to Chris. And if he's the guy who, who thinks <laughs> Gates can be the guy who he thought he was going to be early in the season when he gave him that, that <laughs> you know, big, he's an offensive genius tag. Yeah. Um, then, you know, the offseason is going to be in trouble. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Uh, and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that that, that free agents won't want to come here. Um, I'm not saying that the draft isn't going to go down how um, everyone hopes. Tax. But when the season starts, will the team actually be better 
and with Gates under, uh, you know, at the helm, I don't think so. Um, so it's going to have to happen if the team's actually going to get better. Um, and, and Chris Johnson is actually going to have to be that guy. Now, you could be right. When Woody does get back, he might want to make some changes in, in certain aspects of the team um, if he takes control back. But um, like I've said, you know, on a number of occasions to a bunch of people, um, if you think Woody is just over in London not doing anything and not knowing what's going on with this team, crazy. Um, he knows everything that's going on. He can put his, his input into this team anytime he wants to. It's just that he decided not to. He stepped away from it. <clears throat> and Chris is running it. How? You know, he wants to run it and, and don't get me wrong because I, I know Woody is, is okay with everything that Chris is doing. Um, so um, from here on out, if Chris really wants to make this team uh, better and wants to make ownership uh, 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 look better in, in all the fans' eyes, then he'll make the change at the end of the season. And, and they'll actually go through it with looking at real good, um, you know, guys to replace Gates. Um they won't look <laughs> at guys who have that 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 credibility issue um, at, at the moment. So there there's names out there that everyone knows um, who, who uh, every fan on this team uh, of this team wouldn't mind being you know the head coach of this team. But they have to make that choice, and Chris has to make that choice, and 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 put bring those guys in here uh, for interviews that that all the fans actually want to see. Yeah. All righty, numbers, you're up. Kevin, you're absolutely right. Nobody besides the Johnsons can be in this spotlight right now. And I wish we could call it a hot seat, but since they're the owners, we really can't. You know what I mean? So it is what it is. Ultimately, what needs to happen is the Johnsons need to stick to making baby powder, and they need to let Joe Douglas run the football team. (laughs) Plain and simple. Plain and simple. And what I'm hoping happens, like, yeah, I get, you know, Woody's got his, his ambassadorship thing going on, probably won't be back until after towards the end of January. Um, what I'm, what I'm hoping, man, is Woody is on the phone to Chris by the time this off season starts. And he's saying, look, I'm coming back. We're not keeping this guy. We're making the change. Start looking like, that's what I'm hoping. Get on the phone, tell your brother to do what he's told. And, and, you know, let Joe Douglas take the reins on who this next coach is going to be. The New York Jets desperately need the trifecta. And we're so close to getting it this year, guys. We are so close. We have the GM. We're, look, we're staring the quarterback dead in the face. We just need the coach. And it has to be the right choice. It has to be the right choice. What makes me most sick is in 2018 – we had Eric Bieniemy in the building. We had Cliff Kingsbury in the building yeah. interviewing for this job. Both of these guys uh, wanted to work with Darnold. That rule was going to be the hire. Yeah. Have his own coaching staff. Yeah. yeah. And it, it was all right there. And it just set us back. And I, I just, I want, I, I'm, my prediction is Woody Johnson is going to, is going to try to come in. Because he was catching a lot of fire before 2018 as well, though. So don't don't forget that. He was he was under fire quite a bit. And I'm thinking, I, I just see it in my brain that you'll see Woody Johnson running in, riding in on his white horse. And he's like, new coaching staff, new everything. 
let's go. I'm your savior now. You know what I mean? I, I see that from him. He's he's just narcissistic enough to be that guy. You know what I mean? So maybe, maybe it happens. Ultimately, you can't have non-football guys running a football program hands-on like that because it just doesn't work. They just don't know what to do. So I, I, I do think we're going to get the coaching change. I think we're going to get the right person for the job. Um, whether that's, you know, Matt Campbell from Iowa State, whether that's, you know, Joe Brady from Carolina, whether it's enemy, whether it's, you know, whoever, whoever it is. I just, as long as it ain't Jim Harbaugh, I'm happy. You know what? Facts, though. Facts, though. Yeah. All right, guys. Time for me to fire off. Let's get it, CJ. Open up the armory. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin's already going to hide underneath the chair because he knows it's coming. <laughs> Uh, all right. So let me just make it straight and simple. If the Jets were to retain Adam Gase as the head coach in 2021, they would probably be looking at the worst PR nightmare that this franchise has probably ever had to face. That on top of the potential of going 0-16 would probably be an embarrassment in which the Johnson family would probably never recover. And look, Joe Douglas is a football guy. He's not going to walk into Johnson and Johnson laboratories and start screaming and yelling at the head chemist because he's got a better way how to make baby powder. Okay. That's just not going to happen. So the Johnsons, what they need to do is they need to stick to doing what they do. Well, your baby shampoo, your baby powder, your baby wipes, your Q-tips, Q-tips, Tampax, whatever. Okay. Let your football guy who is Joe Douglas run the operation the way that it's supposed to. It's time for the New York Jets to stop this garbage with the GM and the head coach both reporting to the owner. Because you know what? We've seen it for the past decade, and it doesn't work. It's an absolute train wreck, okay? And if 0-16 isn't enough to prove it, then I don't know what more you need to see. Now, Scott Kalespi had actually chimed in in the comments to say that Bowles, Bowles' salary is coming off the books at the end of the year. So it could be a possibility that they may end up waiting to fire Adam Gase until Bowles' salary finally comes off the books. Regardless of whether you wait then or whether you wait till triple zero at the end of the Patriot game, it's time to cut the cord and to just gut this coaching staff. Throw the chemistry set out. It was a failed experiment. Take your lumps in the media. Admit that you made a mistake. And let your GM do what you brought him here to do, which is build a competitive, sustainable football program. Not just for next year, not just for the year after that, but for five to 10 years down the road. Because as a Jet fan, 40 plus years and going on, and I'm sure everybody else here the same way, you have poor Rob who played for this franchise, okay? We're all sick and tired of seeing the incompetence. We're sick and tired of seeing the lunacy. Because after a while... It becomes repetitive. The Jets are right next to the Webster's Dictionary's in, uh, definition of insanity, where you repeat the same process, hoping for a different result. So why don't we finally get off the hamster wheel, set the front office the way that it's supposed to, just like every other front office here in the NFL, and stop, uh, start doing things like a big boy football team. Let Joe Douglas bring in his guy, and, let the, and let's get to work. Like number said, you got the trifecta. They're so close. Get the head coach. You got the GM. The quarterback is right there. 
All you have to do is make the right decision. But none of these dominoes can fall the way they're supposed to until you get rid of Adam Gase. And until that dominoes fall, until that domino falls, no use talking about anything else because it's all pipe dream. Adam Adam Gase and and the decision to either keep him or let him go um, in conjunction with the first round pick. It, I mean, it really changes the direction of the team. Um, Adam Douglas, uh, excuse me, Joe Douglas, pardon me. Um, <laughs> Adam Douglas. Yeah, well, you know, that I mean, would have been because, really because, bad. You know, functionally, they've been tied at the hip. They've been tied at the hip until now, um, yeah. and and I think that that in itself has led some to some questions about even what Joe Douglas is doing. I mean, we we talked about this earlier in the season. Um, is 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 how much blame does Joe Douglas uh, assume? for the way that this season has, has played out. And, you know, it's difficult because, you know, we, we're not in the building. We don't really know what's going on. I'm a fan. I've been a fan since I was six or seven years old. Again, CJ, like you said, more than 40 years. So here it is that we are. Um, Joe Douglas has, is, is going to be tasked with digging us out of the hole that we've been in. And I mean, digging us out of the hole that was started back with, uh, you know, after, um, Come on, out. why am I drawing a blank on his name? Um, the Sanchez contract and and Idzik and 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 uh, you know all the other the, all the other ridiculous uh, you know kind of things that we've had coming out of the front front office and on the field. Um, Joe, Joe Douglas is going to be tasked with, with with setting us straight here, okay? And and if his hands are tied with how it is that he's going to do it, it's going to be difficult for us. Um, getting having the head coaching vacancy be announced immediately after, and then recognizing that we are going to have the first round, the very first pick in the draft and knowing what that means, that's going to give him that much more leverage when it comes to who it is that we bring in. Um, th- there are going to be coaches who may not actually even be part of the, that uh, original, you know, kind of circle of discussion that are going to throw their, they're going to throw their hats in the ring to try to see, you know, who's, who's the very best possible. And we kick out all of these names all the time. Yeah. We we've had these guys in, we've had that guy in. I mean, we still have opportunities to bring. I in don't guys. want Jim Harbaugh. And that, no. that's what, that's what I'm afraid of. No, you know what? I'm, Johnson, I'll say this. The Johnsons have a history it of going is. after that big sexy name because they want the back page of the New York, of yeah. the New York media. Bring, paper, bringing in great media. Bringing I don't want services. a sexy name. You know who I want? I want a guy who's going to build a sustainably competitive football program here. We as Jet fans, we are hungry for that. You think, you think, you think Harbaugh takes the job if, uh, if he's not able to be the GM? No, no, I don't think so. And that, that's the whole reason why I don't care who calls. Okay. I don't care if Moses calls. Okay. If Moses calls Chris Johnson or Woody Johnson and they say, hire Jim Harbaugh. He's awesome. I'd still be like, no, have you seen Michigan lately? They're a dumpster fire. Yeah. Click. That, that, that whole allowing Peyton to call thing. Peyton hates the Jets. Come on, let's 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 be real about that. Why 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 would anybody even pay attention to what what Peyton thinks about the Jets or or thinks about that situation? And then again, just to just to clarify that, Adam Gase didn't help Peyton do anything. Adam Gase has been riding Peyton's coattails this entire time. Hundred percent. So so ridiculous that people think that Adam is genius just because he he allowed Peyton Manning to 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 kind of you know work with him in in, in the film room. No. That, that, that's ridiculous. So, so here we are. Um, Joe Douglas has the autonomy to do what it is that he needs to. He has the first round pick. He has all of this cap space and quite possibly adding more to that with the trade of Sam Donald. Mm-hmm. The one thing that's not going to change that I know everybody wants to change 
is that Joe D has that autonomy. It's not going to change. That, that's it's going to be Chris Johnson or Woody making the making the choice as far as head coach goes. Um, that's the that's the only thing I could say that's not going to change. But whoever the coach is, he's going to be tied to Joe Douglas's zip anyway. Um, yeah. <clears throat> the one but, thing that I hope they they do is let Joe D handle all the personnel issues um, and personnel situations you know, uh, this team from here on out. Um, hopefully they can if, see. Even if he's responsible for who they who they interview and who it is that they bring in, the Johnsons, you know, you can you can make the final say. But as far as the process on bringing him in, interviewing him, and trying to see what's what's going to be what, I still think Douglas needs to, Douglas Douglas's voice needs to be heard much more loud and clear than than right. the Johnsons do. I agree. I agree. I totally agree with that. But <clears throat> they're not going to say okay if, if if Joe D brings in five coaches that everybody wants and there's no issue with any of them being the head coach here um matt campbell or 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 anybody um he's not going to be the one making the choice yeah going to be the head coach it's going to be either woody or chris um they're 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 signing the paycheck um so it's, it's going to be those guys again the one thing that we can hope for is that they step out of the situation when it comes to personnel from now on um, let Joe D handle the personnel situations that go on with this team, along with whoever the coaches. Um, that way, they build the team that way together, um, and continue to move forward from 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 that point on. Um, because, I mean, I don't have a problem with what Joe D has done as far as free agency goes in in the draft. I know some people do. I know they look at some of the picks that he or some of the some of the signings that he's made and say these guys are are, are terrible. I don't see that. Um, he's made some wise choices as far as contracts go. Uh, I can tell, and pretty much if you can read between the lines, you can tell that his hands were tied, even though he said they weren't during uh, the free agency period this past offseason. Um, hopefully they take those 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 chains off of him this uh, offseason and let him do what he has to do as far as making this team that much better. Um, we have a ton of picks in this upcoming draft. We know that he's going to be all over those picks. Uh, hopefully they turn out just as well this year as they did uh, in last year's draft. Um, but whoever the coaching staff is, um, it's going to be a Johnson choice. Um, and just hope that, uh, as you said, that uh, they go along with the guys that he actually picks to bring in for the interviews. Because yes. if he brings them in for the interviews, obviously he has uh, something positive to, to, to go along with them. Um, and hopefully the Johnsons actually see that and the team can move forward from that point on. But another thing is, even if, and God forbid, everybody knows that they don't want this to happen, even if Gase is here and Trevor Lawrence is the number one choice, <clears throat> he'll play well despite Adam Gase. That's just my personal opinion on that. Um, some, some, some players can play well despite the deficiencies in their coaches. Um, Aaron Rodgers did it with Mike McCarthy. Um, yeah, that's true. true. That's so true. You, guys who are you won a Super Bowl with Mike McCarthy, so. Guys who are special are just special regardless of who their coach is. Um, they make plays when plays are needed to be made. Um, I, I mean, look at Andrew Luck. For all those years, he did it. Yeah. He didn't have the greatest team around him. Um, their offensive line was terrible. Awful. They, shit. they got him beat up over and over and over again. They basically made him retire. Yeah. But yeah. When he was on the field. He made everybody around him that much better, regardless of what the coaching staff did and what the front office did to, to put on the field in front. So there's certain guys that can that can overcome the deficiencies in their coaching staff. And I think Trevor Lawrence is one of those guys. And even if it's just for one year, 
he'll have that that one year under his belt and he can move forward from from that point on and he'll be that much better when the next best coaching staff comes in not saying that I'm, that I'm hoping that happens but if that was to happen I think he's a guy that can that, that can make things happen regardless of Gates as a coach or not one of the things also to remember a little fun fact is uh if the New York Jets go 0 and 16 this year because we're talking about coaching staff changes because I've been seeing in the Jets groups and stuff on Facebook, a lot of people saying, put Greg Williams as inter- interim coach, bring Greg Williams back. If the Jets go 0-16, Greg Williams will have been the defensive coordinator for two out of the three 0-16 teams in NFL history. Which he has to go as well. Mm-hmm. You're yeah, right. If you're going to bring a new head coach in, He's got to be able to hire his own staff. Yes, yes. And, uh, Jim, that that's that's something. I'll just be honest with you. I I knew it, but I really wasn't thinking about that until just now. When, when you just kind of yeah, I wasn't either until I was like I was like, wait a minute. That's, yeah, that's bad. Twenty seventeen wow. Browns. Wait a minute. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, um, fact of the matter is, that, uh, first of all, Rob, thank you for reeling me in on that. Because <laughs> <laughs> here we go to dive off, dive off the deep end over here with this. But uh, yeah, um, the spotlight goes back to the Johnsons, um, all yeah. of the conversation around what goes on with this organization going forward um, is again going to be tied to the decisions that they make. Um, it's difficult again to say that as Jets fans, we should have any expectations um, but, you know, the hopes and, and, and dreams of, of what it is that we could realize, especially looking at some of the signature talent that we have and some of the foundational talent that we have here right now, um, it really does hinge upon are these guys really going to get out of their way uh, and, and allow this to, to kind of unfold the way that we need it to unfold? Right along. Yeah, that's a big question. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and that's going to do it for tonight's episode of Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast here on Sports World Radio and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. But before we go, let's shoot it over to Mr. Rob Carpenter. Rob, first off, it was a tremendous honor and a privilege to have you on tonight's show. Please give out your social media information so fans of Weapons Hot can uh, can follow you, interact with you, and so on and so forth. Appreciate you guys having me on, man. Uh, you know, I'm on Twitter at Rob Carpenter 81 I'm on IG at rcarp81. That's 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 basically it for me with the social media stuff. But you know, you guys follow me on Twitter, man. So I'm usually on there most of the time. That's where you uh, where you can find me most of the time at robcarpenter81. I'm following you on Instagram right now. Gotcha. Yeah, I'll get on there later on. I'm not an Instagram guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not on Twitter. Barely, I deleted I barely, Twitter. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I post stuff every once in a while on Instagram, man. But I mean, I got an account, so I'm I'm on there once in a while. Well, hey, definitely in the offseason, we need to have you back on because we we are definitely going to have some more uh, uh, questions and also some reactions for you uh, as well as uh, the, the comings and goings in, uh, in Gang Greenland. So uh, let's see. Jimmy Jardine, Mr. Numbers. All right, give out your social media information so the boys, uh, uh, all of the fans of Weapons Hot can follow you. So uh... – Thank you for having me on, CJ. I really appreciate it. Rob, it was an honor speaking with you about about the Jets. Much appreciated for you taking the time. We definitely appreciate it. You can find me at Jets by Jimmy on Facebook, as well as the same handle on Instagram. Um, I'll be starting a Jets YouTube channel here shortly, but 
we'll get that squared away later on. So at Jets by Jimmy on Instagram and Facebook. Gotcha. All righty. And a huge announcement to make before we get into a weapons hot social media. Uh, Mr. Jimmy Jardine is going to be a permanent fixture here on weapons hot for the remainder of the season, as he is going to take over our uh, statistician and reports duties. So you're going to be seeing a lot of numbers over these next few games and also in the off season as we try to sift through the rubble of this 2020 season. So, ladies and gentlemen, you can follow Weapons Hot on Twitter at CNC Jets Factor. You can follow me at JetsFan0523. My partner in crime on the other side of the glass over there at uh, Armory Part 2 Studio is Mr. Kevin Jackson at Spotty Blackman. Ladies, make sure you write that down in your little black book. Also, <laughs> don't forget to follow us on Facebook. Uh, we do have a Facebook page. Uh, be sure to be sure to go and uh, subscribe to the page. Hit that like button. Our content is up there. Message us. We'll message you right back. We love going back and forth with fans with fans about this team. Also, leave us some feedback because we love to hear about how we're doing here on Weapons Hot. You could also find us on our home base at the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Don't forget to go to WorldWideSportsRadioNetwork.com on the website. Also, you can catch us on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network Facebook page, the Worldwide Sports Radio Network app. Which in which you could listen to Weapons Hot and all of the many other shows on the network itself. Uh, for Android users, go to Google Play. For uh, those with an Apple, I believe you go to the App Store on iOS. I'm not familiar with Apple, so I can't really tell you. Also, don't forget to check us out on Sports War Radio, www.spreaker.com forward slash Sports War Radio. So, for Mr. Rob Carpenter, Mr. Jimmy Jardine, and my co-host, my partner in crime here, Mr. Kevin Jackson, otherwise known as Spotty Blackman. This is CJ the Painkiller, D. Simone, signing off. And we will see you guys when we see you guys. And as we leave you with still, in my opinion, is the best chant in the National Football League. <laughs> You guys be safe. We'll catch you next week. Appreciate it, guys. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio.